And welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to all those dirty little books that you find hidden under your nan's pillows that have been worn out about throbbing sexes and stiff members and all those little dirty things we secretly love in life. If you are not a fan of these things, then this might not be the podcast for you as we will be fairly explicit in our views and talking about all parts of the human anatomy. My name is Molly and I'm here with my co-host Hannah. How are you, Hannah? I am good. I am locked in my house, which is obviously my favourite way to be. Who doesn't love a bit of reclusing? Like, Absolutely. I think we probably should say like for context, to understand the time that we are in, we are literally locked in our homes um, because of a global pandemic. Because someone decided to eat a pangola. Was that the animal? Is that a type of bat? I feel like it was a no, bat. No, it turns out it's not a bat anymore. It's like this weird lizard thing. Oh, don't do that, guys. Stop eating lizards. Uh, what are you drinking today, Hannah, for this recording? I am drinking, it's one of the Edinburgh Gin liqueur things. It's like an elderflower something. Someone's doing well. <laughs> apparently so i've broken out the fancy alcohol for the quarantine <laughs> um i'm currently disgracing myself i would say and drinking a strong by rose and they're a pound and they're not that bad and then uh, once i finish this i will continue on to my box wine okay yeah good we're keeping it classy it's a pinot grigio and you can get three bottles in one box oh my goodness mm-hmm. that is that's mm-hmm. that stockpiling that's like quarantine it's- stockpiling <laughs> sod bog roll I'm all about the bog swine one of the things we talked about a lot with this podcast is keeping it like highbrow and lowbrow we've now worked out which is the highbrow and which is the lowbrow <laughs> that's fine yeah. this is I'm talking to a woman who I've watched several times as a as a grown woman in her 20s pre-drink with WKD so I feel like um you know what strong by rose we'll take it Today's book that we are going to dive into is Jilly Cooper's Riders. Now, I know most of you will have heard of this. It was briefly made into a TV show in the 90s. Not a very good one from what I hear. Um, But off the bat with this one, we are going to have to give a trigger warning to this episode. Um, Jilly does go into a rape scene which might be slightly uncomfortable for some people. I know for us reading it, it wasn't fantastic. It was an unpleasant read, um, which we will get into in more detail later. Um, but if you don't want to listen to that, we understand. We didn't really want to read it. No, and maybe when we've actually finished recording, we'll tell you what the timestamp is and you can skip forward it. Yes, Because that's a good idea. We can pop that in the sh- show notes. Yeah, that, that's what they're called. That sounds that real. That sounds professional. So, Riders. Jilly herself was born in 1937 in Essex. Yes, She is the original Essex girl, isn't she? But, like, she's a real upper-class Gemma Collins, I think. I feel like GC would be all over this book. Oh, I feel like the the GC would love this book. Maybe a little audio tape. I feel like the JC would not appreciate being compared to the GC. (laughs) I don't know. She seems like a fun gal. So Jilly got started off mostly doing journalism and her big break came when she was at a dinner party and the editor of the Sunday Times magazine thought she was thoroughly entertaining and asked her to write about her marital experiences. This then led to a column from 1969 to 1982 in the Mail on Sunday where she talked about everything from sex, marriage to housework, the three pillars of feminism. All our favourite things. (laughs) She mostly writes from her own experiences. I think she grew up in sort of a upper class, but would say she was upper middle class. But to me, it is all just posh. It's just posh like nonsense. Not, not full aristocracy. No, she's not got a title, but she does have a stately home sort of thing. Okay, yeah. So completely out of both of our yeah, out of, our... of knowledge. That's fine. So Riders itself was released in 1985 and is the first of her Rutshire Chronicles. Uh, there are currently 10 and the most recent edition is Mountain. Ten? There are 10. Honestly, we've got a lot of reading are to do. Are they all 900 pages long? Because that uh, was my main takeaway from this yeah, book. It was long. I think they're all long and they all have the same weird amount of twisty turny characters. Okay. The only staple throughout most of them i believe is um rcb rupert campbell black who we will definitely get into later uh so when 
Riders was released. The front page was quite controversial as it had a man touching a woman's bottom. Not just a woman's bottom, a woman's bottom in very tight jumpers. And recently it's been even more controversial as the re-release of the image. Um, People are like, the hand is not on the buttocks, it's on the hip. We want oh. hand on the buttocks. So the, the, modern, the modern audience have had it sanitised for them. A little bit, yeah, that it's not as sexy as the original. 80s one this was also placed again rather controversially placed on the bbc's 100 most influential novels a lot of literati were like (laughs) julia cooper with jane austen horror Douglas. um but the beep uh, kicked back and was like no it broke taboos about sex and i sort of have to agree with them on this it's an easy read for and it's very british i feel i think it is incredibly like quintessentially british it's like iconic and also everyone seems to be sort of having fun mm. which you don't often get in books about sex especially british ones yeah got, like the big classics that will also be on that list with riders and if any of them have sexy things in them mm. the woman normally dies Um, that's how it was back then wasn't it back in day yeah oh if you had sex you definitely died that was that's how it worked and i think that's the thing i think it is it's really interesting as a period piece almost now because it is the 80s was like quite a long time it's late 70s so i reckon it spans from about 1976 to 1984 because it ends in the la olympics because that's the other thing, I think. It is 900 pages long, but you go on a fucking saga. It's, it's a like sexy a... Iliad, really, yeah. isn't it? It's a sexy Homer in his Iliad. It absolutely is. <laughs> so, as we mentioned, the book sort of spans the mid to late 70s to 1984. So, just to give people a bit of a view of what happened in Britain at that time, we were coming out of the end of James Callaghan's reign as Prime Minister, and he's most known for the Winter of Discontent, which is when everybody decided to go on strike because they didn't like things. After he got booted out, it became uh, Maggie Thatcher's turn to take the wheel of the country, which they are absolutely bloody delighted about in the book. They fucking love a bit of Thatcher. Oh my God, they love Thatcher. Which says it all. It's a bit of it's a bit difficult to read. It's for us. It's a bit like oh, oh you like that, Oh, okay. Um, so if you really want to know what life was like during then, I do recommend watching season three of The Crown and season four. They'll cover everything. And if not, Billy Elliot, no bloody son of mine is gonna do bloody ballet. Pride as well. The film Pride is very much about the strikes and the way that minorities were treated under Thatcher's government. Um, Very good film. So I think it's time for us to move into the plot. And the reason we've been putting this off is because I genuinely don't know how to describe what happens in this book. It's a vast cast of characters and it spans 10 years of their lives. A huge amount happens in that time. Partly lots and lots of people fucking lots and lots of different people, mostly not their own spouses. I mean, why would you? (laughs) Gotta freshen it up, keep it live. But also, I think the thing we have absolutely failed to mention so far is that it's about horses. (laughs) It's about show jumping. It's like a soap opera set around the international show jumping set, which in any other context is something I would have literally zero interest in. But I found myself I wanted to know very much more invested. about horses. Yeah. Um, I know so much about horses. I apparently. didn't know until I read this book that there are special planes for horses. So if you're traveling to sell a horse, it goes on a special plane. And I looked at pictures of them and and they are actually nicer than Ryanair. Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. They get treated so well. I imagine, you know, you get back rubs, sugar lumps whenever you want, sexy air horstesses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fucking, that's an RCB line because he is a, a punny, punny man. Um, yeah, I think that's the main thing we were both really surprised about. As two people from, I would say, fairly standard working class backgrounds, we've come out of it very, very invested in show jumping, which was not something anyone's coming the dreams i had about horses whilst reading this book were unreal i i've never even been on a horse before i've never ridden a horse i've been on a horse once 
I didn't hate it. Was it a sexy time for you? Apparently, it's a sexy time for everyone when you're on a horse. I mean, I was about nine. Yeah, that's when it um, starts. And I don't remember it being one of my formative sexual experiences. But I think it's really interesting because it is just a part of life, which is such a big deal for horse people. And no one else gives a fuck no, about it. No, literally. Like, if not you're a not shit. a horse person, no one cares at all. Anyway, the story, I think, starts with the protagonist. Would we call him a protagonist of Jake Lovell? Um... Yeah, I would say Jake is the hero in the vaguest sense of the word. So he is a traveller. He comes from the traveller community and he went to private school because his mum was the chef there. And he met his rival, Rupert Campbell Black, and his sidekick, Billy. Years later, Jake decides he's going to get into show jumping and he wants to defeat his arch nemesis, the sexy, the wealthy Rupert Campbell Black. It's so fucking dramatic because ultimately that's what it is. It's a 900 page epic about male testosterone. These two lads who didn't really get on at school. One bullied the other and the other one just had a chip on his shoulder about it, but they decided to get horses and women involved. Yeah. That's the thing that I think, um, I feel like is quite easy to overlook, that ultimately it is a book about these two men who just keep coming up against each other in all these different scenarios and trying to score points off each other. Um, it's a little bit homoerotic in that sense, I'd yeah. say. They're like obsessed with each other. It's a um, bit Grecian tragedy, isn't it? Mm. Like, you do expect them to have sex. And considering how much sex there is in this book, I don't believe we have any... Um, gay or lesbian sex no which i think is disappointing frankly it's missing the other thing that we found was i think at least notably missing is wanking because i don't believe that all these people would be so highly sexually charged and like they spend a lot of time like pining after each other and thinking about having sex with each other and then like not doing anything about that but i'm not gonna lie if you're on a horse like seven hours of the day do you really want to wank? Like, aren't you just that bit tired? You just want someone to throw a bone in you or, you know, <laughs> vice versa? So romantic. Isn't that just easier? <laughs> well, maybe this is how these horse people live their lives. I genuinely I mean, from, don't from know. From this book, that seems to be how these horse people live their lives. So other notable characters to mention, we've already previously touched upon Billy. Billy is Rupert's sort of partner in crime, also rich, not as horrible. Um, You have Billy's wife, Janie, the sexy, sexy, sexy columnist. Definitely, I think Jilly wrote a little bit about herself. That's Jilly Cooper, let's be honest. You've got Fen, who starts off as someone Jake teaches until Jake decides to marry her sister whose name i've actually just forgotten shit what's her name tori tori i want to call her tonya poor tori poor tori tori gets a rough ride in this absolutely like and not in a sexy way in like she just has a sad sad life they're so mean about her i really feel like tori is all of us like tori is tori is like the every woman in this book because she's not rich and sexy and on a horse all the time which is me i'm not rich nor sexy nor on a horse Tori just literally sits at home and cooks and is just happy that someone's married her. That's literally all she does. Yeah. Uh, We also have Helen, who is Rupert Campbell Black's frigid American wife. She loves money and hates sex and horses. Which is really unfortunate, Mm. considering who she married. She's really mean to his pet dogs, which I do not think is okay, hun. Mm. Um, Can't be mean to his dog. Badger is such a good boy in the book. I want a pet Badger. Anyway, you've got Dina, who Fen ends up marrying, who's a sexy American horse rider who comes into the book about halfway um so those are sort of the main ish characters but there are like thousands of other characters that we could talk about that so many characters and so many characters who come into it really briefly and kind of serve one purpose and then disappear again um like the one that i have got in mind i can't remember 
Hillary. Hillary. Oh, Hillary is such an interesting character because especially at the time, she is uh, an unshaven woman who gives Helen kind of ideas above her station in RCB's mind. Um, and Helen, as much as she is always sort of a bit pathetic, um, becomes a bit, essentially a bit gobby when she's been friends with Hillary and starts being like, well, Hillary doesn't wash things for her husband and Hillary does it. And, and RCB and Hillary are really set up at these like very polar opposite characters and she has no respect for him and all the things that he cares about and he thinks she's an absolute waste of a woman and then they bone and then she gets really obsessed with him and it's really awkward and then she disappears and is never seen again. I do have to say Jilly's writing of women who aren't traditionally sexy is very sad Um, like anyone who's slightly liberal she describes as unshaven, unkept smelly, monobrow revolting and I would actually just love to know what she thinks of Jeremy Corbyn because like he's the ultimate lefty at the moment she's not going to be a fan is she I mean I honestly feel as well if Jilly if you're listening um (laughs) I I low-key really want Jilly Cooper to like me because she seems like a lot of fun but um based on the characters in her book I really don't think she would no I don't think we'd be yeah her faves either which is sad. It's really sad because from listening to her interviews for this research, she sounds like an absolute hoot, a hoot and a half. I just feel like we would easily fall into that like lefty category of people that she just can't be doing she with. She doesn't like us. Now, I think we need to talk about the sex scenes. We've sort of tantalised you a little bit. If you've never read the book, you might be thinking, well, let's get a little feel for it before I buy it. If you've read Riders, then you know exactly the sort of sex scenes that we've got in mind. And RCB has them so often, it is hard to pick a favourite with him. (sighs) RCB as a character um, is not my fave. I'm going to be honest. Um, So there's only one, which was an RCB scene, which I particularly enjoyed. Uh, And what scene is that, Hannah? Please divulge. That is when he's taking the sexy photos of Podge. Oh my God, Podge! His lovely little, like, groom, who I think is a person who looks after the horses, I assume. And she's just, she seems like an absolute hun. I love her. There's a lot of really questionable, like, body things in this as well. Like, even the fact that this woman is solely referred to as Podge. Um, And that's, like, a really defining part of her. She's just Podge. She's just Podge, but the bit where he's on like it won't be a disposable camera it will be even before that in my head disposable cameras Mm. are the only ones that have film that you develop but he's got a camera um and they're in these woods by his house and he's taking these provocative photos of her um and it was really nice because podge is very portrayed as like being very sexual even though she's not traditionally plump and horny i'd say she's plump and horny is i mean it's the best way to be so helen rupert's wife discovers these photos and she shows them to him he gave a low whistle who's that you know perfectly well screamed helen it's that slut podge oh podge justice for podge and uh the reason he gets caught out because he's obviously trying to blame it on someone else is uh, she says, it's your cock. He has been spotted by the dick. He's caught out by his own penis. It's not the one, is it? The thing that's fascinating to me about RCB and probably the reason that I don't like him um, is this happens more than once in the book. He does questionable things which upset his wife and he always just kind of Oh, yeah, talk. but she's a little bit of a bitch, though, isn't she? Oh, uh, yeah, no, she's definitely a bit of a bitch. Does that mean that he should be cheating on her all the time? I would say no. And he always just manages to talk his way out of it by being like, it's probably your fault, isn't it? He's always like, well, if you enjoyed having sex more, then I wouldn't have to cheat. And that's not great. We don't love that, do we? So my favourite RCB sex moment is um and I actually think this is fairly modern and feminist of him is one of the first times that him and Helen uh, decide to have sex and he tries to go down on her but she's used vaginal deodorant I did not know this was a thing maybe it is in America and in the 80s so he goes down there and he says are you trying to poison me and she's like no 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 and he picks her up and throws her in the shower and then washes her off and then eats her out True gentleman. See, I'm, yeah, you know what? I'm fine with that. He finishes what he started. I respect that. Like, ladies, 
embrace your vaginas. Please stop putting deodorant down there. It's not okay, it's not okay. Let them Let the fanny rain like, free. Keep it. Keep it clean. Keep it clean, But yeah. it does a lot of the work for you. It's a very special ecosystem down there, ladies. You don't need to be doing much to it. It's taking care of itself. Embrace the smells. Mm. You don't want your man to have to throw you in the shower. <laughs> yeah, just fuck it. Get her in the shower. Get it scrubbed. No one wants that. That's not sexy. So for Rupert Campbell Black, who I thought would be all about it being neat and tidy down there, it, it shocked me for his character development. Rupert Campbell Black... RCB, I'm just going to call him RCB because it's easier. He's like such a weird character because in many ways he is the devil incarnate and he is a terrible, terrible man. And then every now and then he does something all right. And like he really loves Billy. Oh, the bromance is unreal between him and Billy. It's so cute. It's so cute. And like Billy is playing second mm. second violin to uh, to RCB all the way through the book. He's very much sidelined. He's supposedly not as good at riding. He's not as attractive. He's not as rich. He spends a lot of the time living off Rupert's generosity. Like he literally lives in like a cottage in his garden. Yeah. But he seems like a better person. He does. To me, RCB's big redeeming feature is that Billy wants to be his mate, so clearly he's got something about him. If Billy thinks he's all right, then I keep thinking maybe he is. Those of you who haven't read the book, there is a weird theme of horoscopes all the way throughout it. He loves a horoscope. He loves a horoscope. And the best way I can describe it to my astrological friends is that Billy is a Pisces and RCB is a Scorpio. Um, And I think that's the most telling thing you really need to know. RCB was like such a millennial bitch in that sense. Like he when was. he was on holiday, he had people, people like delivering him his newspaper so he could read his horoscope. That was the only thing he cared about. I definitely think he would be the sort of if he was a girl, he'd be going on and doing like mapping natal charts to see if you were astrologically compatible. Oh, definitely. I mean, he'd still fuck you, but I think if you were the special kind of gal, yeah, he he would have been like Helen. Exactly, where were you born and at what time? Mm. Podge probably not as bothered. No, but I feel like Helen's definitely a Leo. I mean, I don't know enough about this to contribute. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) So I'll take your word for it. Helen has sort of what I would call a troubled background. She came over from the States because she had an affair with her English professor and got knocked up and had to have a, a backstreet abortion. And that's literally in the first like 10 pages of when you find out Helen. You're like, oh, wow, she's been through some stuff. I really want yeah. to like her because she's been through some stuff and she she's a writer and she's very well read and she wants everything to be very intellectual. Um, and that makes her, it makes her like absolutely insufferable because out of the people in this book, if I'm going to relate to anyone, it's not going to be a person on a horse. It's going to be the girl who's like the newcomer in this horsey world and who reads books, but she's awful. And she's at a party and she's like, oh my God, isn't this just like... Don Quixote and they're like fuck no one gives a shit no it's not like we want to talk about horses not fictional donkeys (laughs) (laughs) so we got into some we got into some Billy times he's the sort of guy that you'd bring home and your mum would be like oh he's a nice boy isn't he oh why aren't you with that Billy he's a nice boy and he marries someone who is literally described as a minx which i think is wonderful um janie who initially comes to interview him um she's a journalist and she comes to do an interview with him because this was a time where show jumping was like fucking huge and they were on the front of tabloids and it was a big deal and like Janie for context has been described as being uh, she's gone to interview like Bob Dylan and Richard Nixon and these sorts of high characters and so she comes to his well to RCB's house it's just two posh boys living in a big old house together with loads of dogs and horses Living that bachelor dream, isn't it? Janie herself. So Janie comes in and I think we can describe this as the best sex scene in the whole book. A hundred percent. It's wild. Um, It starts with Janie, them going out to see his musing pond where he goes to muses and think about his horses. And she gets stung by the nettles and he finds a dock leaf and is rubbing her legs. He's rubbing them rubbing them rubbing them all the way to her vagina and they start having sex outside and it is it's relatively well written the sex scene 
It's, I would say, potentially, definitely the top one, yeah. possibly the only one that I found genuinely sexy, slightly arousing. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's especially I think it's the build up, the description of the kind of the physicality leading up to that, I think is really well done. Yeah. And the fact that he's worried about coming oh, yeah. too soon. It literally says, Jesus, he said to himself incredulously, this amazingly beautiful girl really wants me. Oh, please, God, don't let me botch it by coming too quickly. <laughs> I would love to know if any of our male readers have had this thought um, and what they do to stop themselves. If you were in Billy's situation, how would you have managed it? Please write into uh, literallygaggingpod at gmail.com and let us know. Um, I liked that that was addressed anything that's generally like typically like sexy Mm. you'd think wouldn't stray into reality in that way like if you were watching porn and the guy went oh i'm really sorry i can't get it up or oh i think oh that is kind of happened too early that would be a big buzzkill but in this it makes it even cuter it makes me more into it because it feels real one thing that Jilly is famous for is her weird analogies. And during this scene, she describes Janie's nipples um, as as hard as hazelnuts. Now, <laughs> is the hazelnut the sexiest <laughs> of all the nuts? Um, I feel like a Brazil nut might be sexier. A, a peanut, maybe? I don't know. After that, there is the wonderful line, I'll never last a second, he warned, as he was sucked into the warm, spongy whirlpool, feeling her vaginal muscles gripping him. A spongy whirlpool is just... It went past, like, sexy graphic and into, like, gynecological graphic. A whirlpool. I've never thought of my vagina as a whirlpool, but now I think I might exclusively call it that. And then he wipes her dry with some grass. That can't be good. That's not very effective, I wouldn't imagine. I also don't think that's healthy. I would not want grass uh, near my vagina, personally. Uh, No, I wouldn't. I'm not a horse girl, so maybe that's their thing. But Janie sort of isn't a horse girl as well. That's another thing about Janie and Helen are very much parallels in a lot of ways, except we're very much led to believe like Janie is fun and Helen is shit. She doesn't really care about the horse thing, but she uses it as a chance to get pissed and talk to famous people, yeah. which I respect. So when they get married, they get together after this sex scene. One of the things that I think uh, is a little bit strange, and this is just me personally finding it a little bit strange, is that Billy's kink seems to be shaving her pubes for her oh my god absolutely <laughs> i feel like it doesn't come up as much in this book as it could do no. um like obviously rcb is very offended by hillary's unshaved armpits yes but i think billy seems to be the only person with a pube yeah problem. i think rcb is all in favor of a full bush um mm. but billy likes his a bit clean shaven and he likes to do it himself i just don't know if i would trust any partner to shave my pubes because i'm not good at shaving a little nick down there and you're you're in agony my friend it's not sexy because if they fuck it up (laughs) you're then just bleeding all over the bathroom i mean it depends what gets you off but for me not that and we're not kink shaming we're absolutely not kink shaming we're not about that here not about that like you do you whatever works good for you not for me if that's what billy wants to do and she's happy to let him do it who are we to judge is he very ahead of his time because i would have said late 70s early 80s they were still rocking the bush they were still rocking the bush weren't they if pornos have taught us anything it's that it was a full bush in the 70s while we're talking about billy i think that segues nicely into talking about fen as well fen finella who we first meet as well as a child she was like nine yeah um and she is one of the kids that jake teaches riding because he has a job at a riding school and that's how he gets to do the horse thing and she is very enamored with him because i mean there's a lot about his like swarthy good looks and all this kind of thing but also he's he's very good with horses he's very good at his job and then is like the quintessential like horsey little girl i didn't know a lot of horse girls growing up like the mm. actual proper horsey girls i mean girls i knew had horses i wouldn't consider them like horse mad yeah so i, I don't really know a lot about that do you grow up just loving horses horse riders or horses it baffles me neither of us are really the people to know much about that side of it if you are a horsey person if you have have a horse have had a horse have had a horse rider please let us know just enlighten us because i've just read a 900 page book about horses and i still don't really get it (laughs) if i'm honest 
but yeah, so Fen we meet as a child and she loves loves the horses. Um, Fen is actually the reason that Jake meets his wife because that's Fen's older sister. I'm just going to read this out because this is a particular favourite when she starts uh, going out with Jake or like fancying Jake, something her mother says to her. That's why you've been such a colossal flop at those dances, not trying with all those young suitable men because you've got hot pants for some common stable boy. I'm going to start pants. using that all the time. Like, oh, you've got hot pants for that boy, ain't <laughs> you? We are consistently, continually told that Tori's too fat to get a good husband, which is very sad and not we true. We need to talk about Tori's weight because the way Jilly Cooper describes her, she's like, she's too fat, she's 10 stone, she's a size 16. I'm like, I just don't know anyone who is 10 stone and a size 16. But Jilly Cooper does this with a lot of the female characters. Um, so when Janie decides that she's too fat and needs to go on a crash diet, all she eats is grapefruit and vodka for a week. If I knew that it was just grapefruit and vodka that was the trick to life then. <laughs> I'd have a rich horsey husband. Yeah, I'd have been a size 10. Then when she meets Jake, and Jake is very much described as being quite slight, like he's not a very tall man, not a very big man, um, but he is sexually well endowed, which is good to know. And when she kind of goes and to sort of, I don't know what the word is, Seduce like to cast him. her hat into the, into the Jake ring. She specifically says that she felt that small men were supposed to like big women because they were looking for a mother figure. And especially because Jake's mum had not been on the scene, maybe she could fill that hole. That's a woof. You shouldn't be trying to sexually get partners by being like, I'm like your mother. <laughs> Um, soon learn that the only reason Jake wants to marry Tori is because her dad was rich and he died which means that Tori gets an allowance of five grand a year so I looked that up in today's money and that's about 36 grand a year she just gets given off the bat so he decides to put up with the plump wife who will cook, clean and give him sex and horses for the horses really I think that's one of the, the saddest things about this book is that Tori is the perfect wife. Yeah. From all those those three pillars of feminism we were talking about <laughs> earlier, the, the sex, they have two lovely children, um, she's faithful to him at all times, she cooks, she cleans, she looks after the horses, she becomes a horsey person because that's what he needs her to be. Can I just read the, I think for me personally, is the saddest bit of their relationship, of Jake and Tori's relationship. Go on. Is just after um, his horse Sailor dies, R.O.P. Sailor, let's pour one out for Sailor, that poor horse did not deserve that death. He didn't. So he's having a bit of a hard time sleeping and it goes, she slid her hand down the empty hollow of his belly and touched his cock. Would that help? It might but I won't be much use to you. I don't need it. The bed springs creaked as she clambered down the bed. Then he felt the warm, soft caress of her lips and the infinite tenderness of her tongue because he knew she liked doing it. There was no hurry, no tension. I was so right to marry you, he mumbled. Tori was filled with an overwhelming happiness. In the eight years of marriage, he'd probably paid her as many compliments, but when they came, they were worth everything. She felt bitterly ashamed that she had wasted so much emotion being jealous of her sister. Tori! Baby! Right. No! Right. If a man is only complimenting you because your lips are on his dick, get out of there. Run. Baby girl, we need to talk about self-esteem. They've been married for nearly 10 years and he's paid her like eight compliments in that time. And it's so sad. I just wonder how differently female characters in the 80s would have been written if Lizzo had existed. Like oh my God. Tori needs Lizzo. That's what Tori needs. Tori needs Lizzo and some coconut oil. Jake... I do believe loves Tori. Like he does love her. Yeah. Um, he doesn't treat her very well at all. Generally, Jake is fairly faithful. Um, fairly faithful. These are, he has one slip up, but. Which I would say, like, isn't fairly faithful for me, not good enough. But in the terms of this book, pretty good. Give the man a gold star. <laughs> um, He's better than RCB. Absolutely. But there's a bit where he is, um, is Marion his groom? No, Marion is RCB's groom. Yes. And this is it because he, he's like, I want to take something which is Rupert's. I'm going to have his groom. Um, the 
way it's described is um, it says accustomed exclusively over the last five years to Tory's bulk he could hardly believe the slenderness of Marion's thighs or the springy breasts that didn't collapse under her armpits when she lay down look breasts do that you cannot control them when That's you lie down normal and it just makes me so sad that He's been married to this woman for five years. She's done everything that he wants her to do. She has never complained about the fact that he pays her no attention. He does not like her. He is only there because she bought him a horse one time. And the way he repays her is by fucking a skinny girl and being like, oh my God, this is This is, is great. Look at all this bone sticking out of me. I mean, Tori's a saint. I love Tori. Tori deserves um, better. And do you know who else sort of does deserve better, even though we've said that we hate her a lot, is Helen. This is the trigger warning for the bit that's a bit difficult. Um, We're going to talk about the rape scene in, is it Zambia, Nigeria? Kenya. I think it's Kenya. Kenya. Oh, yes, because I was listening to a podcast and she was describing it and she pronounced it like Kanya. And I was like, oh, you're so, you're so postulate. Rupert and Helen are having some marital tension as they always seem to be because they don't really get on that well at all and they go Mm. to kenya with billy and janie who are fairly newly married and are just like having a swell time and janie is four months pregnant as well at this point and we should say that janie has decided to give up alcohol except for wine um because apparently drinking wine whilst you're pregnant was okay in the 70s yeah drinking wine is fine anything else is bad for the baby yeah so it's just grape juice so they are they're swanning around in Kanye, um, and Helen is already feeling sort of a little bit out of out of the loop with it all because Billy and Janie are having a great time and Rupert's like, you need to have a bit more fun, you're being boring. And then they have a four-way, which <sighs> Helen doesn't want to be a part of it. So essentially her husband and his best friend and his wife like collectively coerce her into this situation. She makes no bones about she's always like i don't want to she she's crying they physically lock her in the room and hide the key from her so she can't escape they like pick her up and pin her down and force her legs open and again when listening to jilly talk about it she describes it as an orgy scene and i i'd call it a gang rape scene i wouldn't call it an orgy scene it was difficult to read. Um, I think partly because I didn't see it coming at no. all. Generally, everything in it was pretty consensual. And so my problem with this was, was this sexy in the 80s? I Is that supposed to be a, a sort of a, a non-consensual fantasy time that people are being fulfilled by reading it? Um, or was it what it is which is a fucking rape scene um again if you read it in the 80s and you want to just let us know please tweet in to us because i think we'd be both be quite interested to see how it's changed over the years i can understand where she was trying to make it sexy it just maybe is a a modern day perspective it does not definitely and i thought it was mm. interesting because there is that that thing of performative sex which i don't think happens that much in this book to be honest um, no. because most of the people doing it seem to sort of want to be doing they're it. enjoying it yeah but there is a bit where um janie is is having sex with rupert while billy is having sex with helen who doesn't want to be doing that and he's looking at janie and being like i mean she's probably faking it but she's putting on a good show <laughs> that did make me laugh <laughs> i have to say that's that was quite funny it was a little bit of light in this very dark chapter of the book We've not really done a lot of Fen. Fen grows up throughout the book. She starts as a child. She becomes a bit of an awkward, acne-ridden teenager. And then at the end of the book, she loses loads of weight and she gets a pixie cut and she's like absolutely smashing it. A girl with a pixie cut is a dangerous thing. Absolutely. And I think this is the thing that's interesting about Fen is I remember making a note as she was getting older and a bit like sexier. Um because she has always really looked up to Jake and then they end up kind of moving in the same professional circles and they spend a lot of time together and I literally wrote down the words I'm really scared that Jake's gonna I was paranoid this was gonna happen too I was like absolutely not that's not the one spoiler alert it doesn't so that's good and also RCB kind of leaves her alone which is 
nice. Because RCB, they have a daughter, him and Helen, and he sort of does mellow out a little bit. Like, he's one of those men that's like, speaking as a father, I understand feminism now. Yeah. (laughs) And he sort of sees Fen as a little sister, I think. It's one of those bits when you see RCB being a prick so often. You're like, Mm. oh, look at him. He's a nice person sometimes. Also possibly because Fen and Billy have this little fling, I suppose is the best way to describe it. It is a summer in Rome, isn't it? She's she's always fancied him. She had the, the cutouts of him from the tabloids and all this kind of thing. And again, they start moving in the same circles. It's like finding out that Zac Efron fancies you. Like that's sort of the equivalent, exactly. isn't it? Like if Zac Efron came up and was like, hey, baby. She, again, we're getting back into the big woof of the familial relations. Oh. And she says to him as she's lying her head on his chest with his cock nudging against her belly button (laughs) i'm not saying this to make you feel old but i've never had a real father you're not only the first father i've had but the first thing i've ever been able to love Ah! which is a lot (laughs) which is a whole lot but we should say that fen does find love um with a handsome young italian american man named that was offensive i'm sorry (laughs) Named Dino. Dino. Dino Ferranti. Dino. Um, and he is wonderful. Fen was a bit of an arsehole to him. Like, oh, she God, was a very yeah. teenage girl in the fact that she was like, I love you, so I'm going to treat you mean. And isn't nice to him. So he's like, fuck this. And later days it back to America. And then yeah. she's like, oh no, what am I missing? Um, but in her meaner time to him, we should say that she has a fling with um, a sports car driver. A oh, I'd forgotten about him. Enrico, whose penis is as thick as a salami. <laughs> That's from the book I have about That's up. racist, Maybe, isn't it? Maybe, but... That's something we've not massively touched on. Oh, it was the mass racism. I know it was yeah. the 80s, but Jilly Cooper, hun. Ooh. There's a lot of calling Jake a jippo. It literally happens on the first They, page. like, make posters that say Jippo Jake on them when he goes to the Olympics and stuff. It's really weird. There's a phrase where it talks about um, RCB, who, when they go to LA for something, goes early because he's rich and he can afford to. Um, and he comes to greet them. And it says he was so brown, he almost made the black ground staff look white. Which I think is not a thing. That's not a thing. They, when they're in Italy and Rome, they call every Italian they see a wop, which isn't cool nowadays. Yeah. Um. There's one where they're all like, it's either the Italians or the Spaniards, and they all start cheering because they're the home nation, and they're like, and then this waft of garlic came up from the stands. <laughs> Um, the way she describes uh, foreigners mm-hmm. is very Brexit means Brexit. It is all them foreigners, yeah. us Brits, every stereotype under the sun. That it, like Literally, it sounds like the sun has written it as well. Um, it's quite... Ooh. There's a bit... When Helen initially comes into it, which is why I kind of wanted to like her, but she even fucked up this. Helen comes in and she's quite liberal. And she works for, like, a lefty publishing house and has a friend in a cord jacket or something. Who's very anti-fox hunting. Who takes her on an anti-fox hunting thing, which is where she meets RCB. Mm. And I think that's kind of why he's a bit buzzing, because she's, like, fit for a lefty. And she also doesn't really care that much about fox hunting, so she's willing to fuck him. Well, we're not even discussing the fact that literally at the end of the book and into the foreseeable um, 10 book series, RCB becomes a Tory MP. Yeah, he, he's absolutely buzzing. Which isn't a surprise to anyone, really. I Yeah, I imagine owning a horse is quite a Tory thing. Anyway, we're, we've had too many wines to get this political on a podcast, Hannah. Let's... <laughs> Let's roll this back to the sex. What are we meant to be talking about? Enrico. Who I remember. Enrico. Who I remember, I think, like, he was an absolute prick, but I think he was, like, a bit sexy. Oh, yeah, he's meant to be that swarthy sort of Latina guy who comes in and he just cares about the orgies, baby. So I think he's meant to be, like, a little bit, a bit of a diversion for her to realise that she really did love Dino. Pure and simple, Dino. So, yeah, and then Fen settles down and she's much happier and she goes back to America with Dino and they live happily ever after, which is lovely because there's not a great deal of that in this book. Oh, we haven't even gone to um, Jake and Helen yet, have we? We haven't. So, obviously, as we've said, Jake and RCB are having this ongoing power struggle between the two of them um, where they are constantly trying to score points off each other um, and ultimately, Jake does that by stealing 
Rupert's wife on the eve of the Olympic final. Helen seems to be kind of low-key getting off on the fact that she's like, but I'm Rupert's wife. Does that not repulse you? And Jake's like, obviously not. That's 100% the only reason I'm here. Um, But then they end up having to run away together because Helen throws all caution to the wind and like tells Rupert, which means obviously Jake, um, who would is part of the Olympic team, can't ride because he's not there and it's a big scandal. And it ends up just being Rupert um, and Fenn and what is the other man who's constantly referred to as being like brain dead? I think he might be Northern as well. So I think this might be a really another bad stereotype because just because the way that she writes his accent, I personally heard in a, a Northern voice which might say more about me what's his name can you remember but he's a good enough horse rider to be on the olympic team but he's he's very much coded as being like not all there and northern um (laughs) to the point where when they big big spoiler win the olympics um even though they're like a team member down and it's very dramatic and very long-winded that whole sequence there's yeah, a lot going on it's a classic underdog story they somehow managed to spin it to be really really like emotional Ivor, his name is Ivor. sorry Ivor, mm. there we go so rupert and fenn and Ivor have to do the olympic final on their own because jake's fucked off with helen um and they win against all the odds and it's very exciting and rupert turns to the team, his eyes streaming, and says, a moron, a schoolgirl, and a cuckold. We took on the whole bloody world, and we beat them. And they somehow make it very emotional, and I cared very deeply. I cared very much. So Jake, obviously, later dazed, because he was going to bang Helen. But Helen was the neediest... Oh, my God. She gives women such a bad name in what she does here, because it's every stereotype of, like, that needy girlfriend... she, like calls him all the time and it's like oh my god he didn't call me today so i thought that he hated me and he's like bitch i'm currently in I'm, france i am on a horse i think the thing that's really interesting for me about this book is 80s was before they had readily accessible porn at everyone's fingertips all the time so this this mm. is your porn and there is a lot of sex in it but there's also a lot of plot yeah. to get through. you have to chew your way through the first 200 pages i found because it's a lot of character development and it's good when you get later on and it gets sexy and you know more about horses because you've read these first 200 pages but i do remember reading it over christmas and i was even around my house and my sister and my mum were like jilly cooper but Having read it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think people need to get over themselves a little bit. Oh, if definitely. If you want something fun and easy to read and is going to make you feel a little bit naughty, then this is the perfect book for you, honestly. So, Hannah, I think we've talked about most of the relationships and most of the big sex scenes. So I'm going to ask you the number one question we're all here to know. Go for it. How wet did you get? Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you drier than the desert? How wet did you get? Did this book make you come? Is there a scale for this, or am I just from um a nun seeing a cucumber for the first time to Jordan on being towed by Dane Bowers? How wet did you get? Um. <laughs> I say I, I, I've completely lost track of the scale, so I'm just going to do it out of 10 because I feel like that's safer. Um, I would say I'm going to give it a, like a, a 7.5. There were some bits that I was like genuinely, this is pretty good. It was like kind of going along quite nicely, a bit sexy, a bit sexy, a bit fun. Massive, massive dip when we get to the rape scene. <laughs> no. Not about that. Um, so that's losing it points. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to say maybe six. What about you? I enjoyed it. Um, I think for its time, it probably was a bit scandalous. We might be a little bit more yeah. desensitised, should one say. So, I'd yeah, I think I'd give it a 6.5 penises out of 10 penises. Out of 10 penises. Out of 10 penises. You don't have to just take our word for it because, you know, we're just two random girls on the internet that you found. And again, not in that kind of sexy way. <laughs> so, um, I've gone on Amazon and I found a review here. And it's just called Kind of Fifty Shades for the 70s. Okay. So, 
this is a weird book to review as I hated so much of it and yet was still compelled to read it to the end. I mean, that's a big mood. That's exactly how I felt about it. It feels like you might have written this, Hannah, but it was in 2018. Um, And yet was still compelled to read it to the end. So it must have done something for me, but I can't see what. I hated all of the characters. Even... (laughs) Even Podge? How can you hate Podge? <gasps> no. Every now and then a new character would crop up and I'd feel hopeful that I would like them. But then they'd do something awful or start acting out of their initial character. Everyone cheats. Everyone. No one seems able to keep it in their pants, even if you can't see why. Character A would suddenly want to bang character D. The sex is very unsatisfying and perfunctory. There is a lot of wiping of sexual fluids off oneself onto hankies, dock leaves, handfuls of grass. It's less sexy and just plain grim. I found I was more invested in the horses as characters. R.I.P. Sailor. R.I.P. Sailor, he deserved that. Hashtag never forget. (laughs) And willing them to make it through the story safely. They were pretty much the only ones who didn't cheat or crap all over each other. I mean... I mean... mm. They probably did in transition. Come on, love. Oh, we haven't discussed any of the horses in this so far. There are a lot of horses and they all have very strange names. Glad I can cross riders off my must-read bucket list. It was an experience, but not one I'd care to repeat with any more of her books. Okay, I think that is fair. So on Goodreads, there is a review from a lady called Anna, who has split her review into two categories. It says... Original thoughts. I read this in my teens in the 80s and loved it. Rampant Rupert stole my innocence, but it was beautiful Billy who stole my heart. Oh, I think we can all agree with that. And then she splits the second bit into today's thoughts. So 25 plus years later, she's reading the book again. She couldn't wait to meet Billy again as she was reading this book with a friend, um, but discovered that what the teenage heart and the 40-something heart want are two different things, which I think is as it should be. Billy just didn't do it for me this time around. And even worse, he actually started to annoy Mm. me. Gutted that a teenage crush came to such a sudden end. Sad face. On the plus side, this 40-something heart was very happy to get reacquainted with Dino. Lovely Dino. Dino. I liked him as a teen, but now, mm-mm, that's what she's written. <laughs> the heart doesn't break, it just moves on. But the real star of the whole show for me was feisty, adorable Fen, who took on all the boys and won, which I think is correct. Fen is a bit of a legend. Fen, I would say, Fen, after Podge, obviously, Fen's probably my favourite character. Fen was my favourite character because I think she was consistently, like, the most believable. Yeah. And she's a nice girl, really. A nice We've girl. all made mistakes, haven't we? We've all made mistakes with Italian race car drivers. It happens. <laughs> I mean, they're cocks alarmies. How could you not? How could you resist? And then Anna finishes, the book itself was just as much fun as I remembered it to be, with sex, scandal and skullduggery all served up with large dollops of wit, one-liners and downright silliness. Four stars then, four stars now. Which I think is a lovely review, considering a lot of people on Goodreads had just gone, I hated this, I hated this, I didn't finish it, I hated it. Which I think is a bit much. I feel like I had my problems with it, but I'm happy to articulate those. I'm not just going to say that I hated it. So... I think that's it from us. If you guys have got any opinions on riders you'd like to share with us, please let us know. Or if you have any suggestions for books that you'd like us to read in the future, hit us up at literallygaggingpod at gmail.com. Hit us up on all the socials. It's at literallygaggingpod on everything. So please find us there. I hope you like riders. I did. I did. I did enjoy Riders. We thought it was iconic. It was very of its time. It was like a nice, rompy, fun place to start. But this podcast, as we discussed, will be doing the highest and lowest of brows. And so next week we are doing Lady Chatterley's Lover by D.H. Lawrence. If you've read it, then you might want to read along or if you've got time, because we've got nothing but time in this apocalypse right now. So much time. So get your sexy books out and get reading because you know what? We might as well just wank our way through this quarantine. We've got nothing better to do. There we go. Riders, Jilly Cooper. I'm really sorry to everyone listening where we've jumped around from character to story to character to story to nothing in chronological order. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters. It can be a little bit difficult to keep track of who is who um, and who's fucking who and who has fucked who and who's going to fuck who. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to grossing you out next week. Get drunk, stay safe, and keep indoors. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Especially if you're, especially wanking. If you're wanking. Hygiene first, kids. Hygiene first. <laughs> okay, love you lots. Bye. Bye. Bye.
a big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything um, to Bethany Southworth for our jingle and um, the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech um, the king of royalty free jams and saviour of media studies students the world over